Welcome to First Baptist Church, Norman. We are so glad that you're with us today. We're not in our sanctuary. We're not in um, a building, but our congregation is still together. Our family is together, and we are so glad that you're here. If you're visiting with us today, we want to especially welcome you to First Baptist. If you have a prayer request, we'd like for you to click on our website, fbcnorman.org, and then click on prayer request. And we'll be glad to pray with you and pray for you. And we're so glad, again, that you're here with us today. We hope you have a blessed day. And now join us in worship. Hello, church family. We want to teach you a new song this morning called Waymaker. In these challenging times that we're still navigating, it's important that we remember that our God is a way maker. He's a miracle worker, promise keeper, and he's a light in the darkness. So let's proclaim those truths today as we sing together.
Church family, let's read from the book of Ecclesiastes together today. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to throw stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to part. A time to search and a time to count your losses. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate a time to wage war, and a time to make peace. God has made everything appropriate in its time. Good morning, church. Thank you for worshiping online with us today. I am pleased to share with you that we will resume our sanctuary worship on Sunday morning, June the 7th at 10.30 a.m. And we will also continue to provide an online worship service for those of you that need to stay closer to home during this season. Please continue to pray as we make preparations for this special Sunday on June the 7th. It was a beautiful spring morning in May of 1982. More importantly, it was the day of my high school graduation. I made arrangements that morning to go and play golf with some of my graduating buddies. And we had a great time and time slipped away from us. And so I got home late and my mother met me at the door and I could tell immediately that she was furious. She was upset. Where have you been? Why are you so late? You need to go and get cleaned up. You're going to be late for the appointment for your cap and gown photographs. And that's gonna make you late for your grandmother's special graduation dinner that she's prepared for you. And then we're going to be late for the graduation ceremony. And I looked at her and I, I finally spoke up and I said, Mom, I'm a big boy now. 
I've got everything under control. Oops, <laughs> that was not what I should have said. And she broke down in tears and she ran off to her bedroom. I was stunned. And I looked at my father. And calmly and wisely, he said to me, You know, your mom's having a really hard time with the fact that you're graduating. And in just a couple of months, you're going to be going off to school. Welcome to grief. Now, I'd seen and experienced grief before and in the death of others and friends of loved ones or when something terrible or tragic had happened. But I'd never experienced grief like this. After all, what was there to grieve about? I was graduating with honors. I was headed to OU. Life was good. This was a time to celebrate, not to grieve. But I was too young to realize that grief is a natural response. It's a natural reaction to any kind of loss or change that we experience in life, even when that loss or change can be good. The season of COVID-19 has been a time of loss for all of us. People have been extremely ill and, and, and many have died. We've been asked to isolate ourselves from our family and from our friends, not even being able to go to the hospital with the sick or the dying. Our routines and our rhythms of life have been disrupted. Our churches, schools, and ball fields have been vacated. Significant milestones like graduation, proms, weddings, funerals, fiestas, vacations, and sporting events have been canceled, postponed, or drastically altered. We've been forbidden to gather in groups of more than 10. The economy has been devastated. Millions have lost their jobs. The oil and gas industry is in crisis. And oh, by the way, life, death, and losses continue to happen in every other area of life as well. Church, we need to pause and take a deep breath before we continue on. Let me ask you this question. Have you taken the time to grieve? The time that you need to identify, to acknowledge, and to process your loss, your grief. We need to understand that grieving is God's gift to help us deal, to deal with change and loss in a healthy way. Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Grieving is not reserved for the weak. Grieving is not for those that don't have any faith. Jesus grieved. He grieved the death of Lazarus. He grieved the lostness of Jerusalem. Church, it's natural for us 
to grieve when we experience loss. Doug Manning, in his book, Don't Take My Grief Away, says this, Grieving is as natural as crying when you are hurt, sleeping when you are tired, eating when you are hungry, or sneezing when your nose itches. It is nature's way of healing a broken heart. In his great wisdom, even Solomon acknowledged that there is a time to weep and a time to mourn. Problems arise, however, when we get stuck in our grief or when we try to suppress our grief. So today I want us to consider the stages of grief so that we can be aware of what we are going through, how our faith can sustain and bless us in our grief, and how eventually we can learn to accept our loss, our change, and find hope and meaning for the new realities that we face. Turn with me to Psalm 143. This is a beautiful psalm of David that expresses his own grief, his own loss, and also the hope and comfort that he finds in the Lord. Psalm 143. It's a short psalm of 12 verses, so so let's read all 12 of these verses and, and listen to the heart, the loss, the hope of David. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. Answer me in your faithfulness, in your righteousness. And do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no man living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. Did you see that? that there's an enemy. Jesus says that, that there's a thief that goes about seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. Peter says that we have an enemy that, that prowls about seeking to devour us. We've all experienced the work of, of this enemy who's come and caused great loss in our lives. Listen to David as he processes this loss. The enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in dark places like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart is appalled within me. Another way to understand that word appalled is, is my heart is empty. It's deserted. It's desolate. I remember the days of old. I remember the, the good old days, the way it used to be. And oh, how I grieve and mourn that those good old days are no longer here. I meditate on all your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul longs for you as a parched land. Oh, can can you resonate with that grief, with that pain, with, with that mourning of David? He feels as though he's been crushed. He dwells in dark places. His spirit has been overwhelmed. His heart desolate. David was a man 
that knew grief. But now listen to his prayer as we continue in verse 7. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Lord, it's urgent. Come quickly. Answer my prayer. Do not hide your face from me, or I will become like those who go down to the pit. Lord, come now. I'm, I'm spiraling downward. And let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust you. Lord, it's dark now. The night is dark. But in the morning, let me see your loving kindness. The light of a new day. Lord, give me that hope for tomorrow, even in the darkness of today. Teach me the way in which I should walk, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Oh, the, the, the ground seems to be shaking and move me, moving God. Put me on level, steady ground. For the sake of your name, O Lord, revive me. Bring new life to me. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your loving kindness, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul. For I am your servant. Some of us can relate very deeply to David's grief and his urgent prayer and cry for help. The first thing I want us to notice about this psalm is, is David's total awareness of his loss and of his grief. You see, awareness is the first step to working through our grief to finding healing, the hope of a new day. You see, you may be grieving and not even know about it. Listen to a few of the symptoms that, that grief can bring. Symptoms that present themselves physically, socially, and even spiritually. Symptoms like crying, headaches, difficulty sleep, sleeping, or maybe fatigue and, and sleeping too much. You, you always find yourself in bed. Isolation worry, anxiety, guilt, a loss of appetite, maybe even questioning your faith, questioning your own purpose and meaning in life. These are all possible symptoms of those going through grief. Some of your struggles today may be the result of unrecognized or unresolved grief in your own life. So in these next moments, I will briefly describe five stages of grief. Now these are stages that were defined by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and they're just one of many models that we could look at. But for today, let's allow this one to bring understanding to us. First of all is the stage of denial. Denial is your body's way of protecting you when dealing with a new reality especially when life has changed in an instant. You deny by saying, well, the lab must have, have mixed my results back with someone else's. Or you deny by saying, well, maybe it was someone else that was in that accident and not my friend or loved one. 
And by denying, we delay having to deal with that that drastic news in that moment. Shock is the physical reaction that that we may have to sudden, sudden loss. A temporary amnesia that allows us to, to get through that initial moment. Well, I, I heard their words, but they really didn't register with me. When the shock and the denial wear off, we can begin to heal and process through the stages of grief. A second stage of grief that I want us to be aware of is, is anger. Haven't you cried out, life is not fair. How can this be happening to me? How can this be happening to my family or my loved one? The reality and the implications of of the loss and the change begin to sink in. And anger rises from the depths of our hearts, of our soul. And we want to blame someone. We accuse others and say hurtful things. We blame God. And when we turn that anger and blame upon ourselves, we call that guilt. You see, anger is a critical and necessary part of our grief. It is a natural thing to express anger over loss and change, especially when that loss or change may be surrounded by a sense of unfairness or injustice. But our challenge is to deal with our anger in a healthy and constructive way. The scripture says that we are to be angry, but to not sin. Unchecked anger lashes out in violent and destructive ways. But once we can grab onto that anger and control it and deal with it and process it, we've taken a significant step. In healing. A third stage in grief is bargaining. Now, bargaining is our desperate attempt to reclaim and restore what we've lost. We seek to negotiate with God a a different ending. God, I'll, I'll change my diet and I'll exercise if you'll give me my health back. Or we bargain when we might break up or be broken up with a, a girlfriend or boyfriend and say, well, let's continue to be friends. We play the what if game. What if I, I change my phone number and, and what if we move? Will you please just not leave me? This bargaining stage is a, a stage of false hope. There's nothing that you wouldn't do to to have things back to the way they were. But it's too late. The loss has occurred. The change has happened. And the new reality is setting in. A fourth stage to grief is the stage of depression. It's a stage of depression and and being unable to return to your normal activities. Depression results from our emptiness, the emptiness of our loss. We can't see a way forward. In depression, we might say, no one has ever hurt or lost as much as I have. We experience hopelessness. 
And we become apathetic, not caring about anything, even struggling with our own will to live and carry on. Isolation is often the companion of depression. We become withdrawn, sleeping in a sleeping a lot, not wanting to be around others. If we're not careful, we can spiral downward into a deeper pit of depression and despair. We may seek unhealthy ways to, to numb our pain, filling it with drugs or even the pursuit of pleasure. We may need to find a support group or even a professional counselor or help to help us get through this stage. And a final stage in our grief is, is that stage of accepting our loss, of moving into the new life that is before us. Acceptance does not minimize or say that our loss is okay, but rather that we're okay and that I'm going to be okay. Yes, there will be good days and bad days, but you're ready to re-engage. You're ready to make the necessary adjustments to continue on in a meaningful and hope-filled and joy-filled life. A family standing around the bedside of one who is dying, needing to accept their that person's impending death, coming to that place of releasing their loved one to the Lord, and then embracing each other and walking out together to share and experience life from that day forward. You see, life will never be the same because of our loss, because of, our, because of the change we may have experienced. But there is still much life. There is still much love to be enjoyed and experienced, to be explored. We cannot forget and we will not ever forget that person or that time. But we can begin to see the new sun rays of a new day. The psalmist says, weeping and mourning may last during the night, but joy comes in the morning. Revive us again, O Lord, is our cry. Again, these are very broad descriptions of what grief may look like in your life. Please realize that grief is the natural response to how we process loss in our lives. We all grieve, and we all grieve differently. Some may grieve for weeks, some for months. So we must be patient and gracious with each other. What is important is that we move through the stages of grief at our own pace, not spiraling downward into that darker pit of despair and depression. So how do we do this? I believe that our faith our faith in Christ is the critical piece that must guide us and give us hope for a new morning. The Apostle Paul reminds us that in Christ Jesus, we grieve differently than those who do not have this hope. 
Let me share some specific scriptures. In Matthew 11, Jesus invites all who are weary and burdened to come to Him, to come to Him and experience His rest. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In Revelation 21, Jesus wipes away the tears of our grief and proclaims, I am making all things new. Jesus tells us that, that He would send the, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would be our comforter. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ coming to dwell and live within us to bring comfort, His Spirit, to our spirit. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul reminds us that God, through Jesus, comforts us in all of our sufferings. And then he says, we who have been comforted, we are to comfort those who are suffering and who are grieving. Church, we are to be the presence of Christ, the hands and feet of Christ in comforting those who grieve and suffer around us. Now let's be clear. Faith in Jesus does not spare us from the losses and griefs of this world. Rather, our faith offers rest. It offers comfort through the, the darkness of the night. And it offers us hope that a new morning will come. A new day with new possibilities for life, for love, for joy, and for meaning. And for this reason, we grieve differently than those who have no hope. So are you grieving today? Yes, we're all grieving. We've all experienced loss, especially over these last weeks. Sometimes our loss is great, and sometimes our loss is small. Sometimes our loss sneaks up on us, like it did for me, my mom, at my graduation. But regardless of how great or how small or how natural our loss is, I hope you understand one thing, that you have permission to grieve. And may you grieve in a deep and healthy way. May you find strength and courage as others come alongside of you. But mostly, in Christ the Lord, may you find comfort for today and hope for tomorrow. Thank you again for worshiping with us online. I pray that the Spirit of God has and continues to minister to you at your point of need today. And that the Spirit of God has, has given you permission to grieve and to experience His comfort and His hope. Please contact us if we can pray for you 
If we could walk with you during your journey, during your grief, and, and, share, and please share with us what God is doing and stirring in your life. We would be blessed to do that with you. Now, let us listen to this song of God's faithfulness. In the midst of your struggles and grief, you will never walk alone. You will never be left on your own. For the Lord is with you. The Lord will revive and renew you. I invite you to worship with thanksgiving in your heart and obedience in your life. And following this song, Lisa Portwood comes to offer a word of testimony and a prayer of blessing as we close our time together. May God bless you as you serve Him and as you grieve in the comfort of His Spirit. Amen. And God bless.
Good morning, church family. I'm Lisa Portwood, and I'm an active volunteer here at First Baptist Church of Norman. And I wanted to share with you some of the services and activities that I've been able to participate in during this time of isolation and not being able to meet as a church family. I have been blessed to suit up wearing masks and gloves and with my disinfectant wipes very close to deliver flowers to single ladies in the church. And then right before Mother's Day, we delivered activity bags for children to complete and also to uh, in appreciation for their mothers. And there's nothing like seeing a smile from a person who is just thrilled to death to see another person or to see the smiling face of a child who's excited about what has just been delivered. And so it's important, and when I deliver these things and see a person, I say First Baptist Church is thinking about you. I've also had the opportunity to visit with several uh, life group leaders and to hear about how they're staying in touch with their members from their classes. And that is very impressive also, the, the care and compassion of these people and just the respect that they have and the genuine concern they have for each one of their members. I feel as though we are so blessed at First Baptist Church with our leadership, but also with the congregation of caring for each other. I also have just stayed, I like to stay busy, which keeps my mind focused on positive things. I'm a gardener, I like to cook, I also read a lot. And so when I'm not serving at the church, I like to do those things. I'm a bit of a solitary person, but I get the greatest satisfaction from serving my church family. And I will be happy when I can continue to volunteer in the church office. But until that time, Zoom meetings and texts will have to do. So um, I think it's also important that we go to the Bible for comfort and direction. My life group has just finished an in-depth study of the 23rd Psalms. And one of the verses that really stood out to me in this time is Psalms 23, verse four, which says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This passage, of course, is very well known, but it does say that in trials and tribulations, God is steadfast and comforting us while also securing and taking care of us. And I know that in the end, we will have many opportunities to see how God has continued to support us and comfort us during this trying time. Would you please pray with me? Our dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today to praise your name for being the unconditional loving father but also the creator of this wonderful universe because we know all good things were created by you dear heavenly father we ask that you be with those who are sick that they may be healed we ask that you be with those who are weary that they may find rest and we ask that you provide answers for our church leaders as they move to reopen the church, 
but we also ask that you be with the city, state, and federal leaders also, dear Heavenly Father. Everybody's making decisions about what is best, but we know that ultimately you are the one who will be guiding all of this and showing us what we need to do. We ask that we go through this week being beacons of light in your name and showing the world that we have a loving Father who's in control. Amen.